<coughs> Good evening. Is everybody awake? Thank you. All right. So we're going to have a, a interactive session. What we'll do is that uh, I will just uh, start it off. I'll have a little conversation with uh, with our uh, speaker, Sam Thomas, and then uh, there is also all of you have received the link to the pigeonhole site for the asking questions. Right? I, I see there are already a few questions coming in, but uh, you know we'll have the little conversation first, and then we'll go to the question. So, uh, what I'd like to do is for us to get to know you a little better. Yeah. Um, and uh, you and, and of course you can speak on behalf of your wonderful family. wife as well, so. uh, family. Um, so, uh, I guess first of all, just to start off with, um, uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, your salvation experience. So, I know that you were making a little joke this morning about uh, Mylapra and all that and I don't know if people know that you are actually from Mylapra <laughs> so it was it might have been a joke about yourself maybe somebody came to you and said you know Mone uh, <laughs> I, know, I think I know a little bit of history here uh, so for those who may not know he's my mother's first cousin so uh, so we have heard some stories here and there <laughs> but go ahead uh, just tell us about your, how you came to the Lord and uh, I was uh, I, what you would call the black sheep in my family, uh, the naughty guy. Uh, but uh, you know who the Bible says, who is first, they become last. And who last would come first. That's what happened in my life. Uh, I had two brothers and two sisters. Both my brothers were very active in the Lord, loved by uh, people in the church. But I was the naughty guy. Uh, and uh, nobody gave me much hope. Uh, except I think God in His grace you know chose me before the foundation of the world so it was during a meeting in Chennai where I grew up uh, that I, I heard of one of a very famous uh, uh, brethren preacher and uh, he spoke about hell and the terribleness of what will happen in hell uh, and that is the thing that turned me to think about the Lord Jesus Christ. I grew up in a, a brethren assembly, so the church used to happen in our house. So I grew up, you know, familiar with Christian things. So God had to do something deep within to break, break me and bring me to a point where I needed to understand that uh, I was a sinner and that Christ was my only hope. So that deep work God did by bringing the fear of hell into my life. I, I didn't want to go there. In fact, uh, I, I, I didn't want to stand up that, that evening when the altar call was given, but something made me stand up and I wept like a child and uh, convicted by the Holy Spirit by the terribleness of my sin and what I deserved. And God wrought in this hard heart of mine uh, faith and grace to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's how I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ uh, when I was 14 years old. So you, you were 14 at the time? Yeah. So just to relate that, uh, you know, we, uh, we obviously have a lot of, uh, lot of people here, young people who, who had that same kind of background uh, and... Uh, Maybe they came 
to know the Lord through some pressure or uh, can you just sort of speak to them and just impress on them the importance of making sure that your faith is real and, and it's your own and not you know for the sake of pleasing someone else it, it, it is a very important thing for you to understand this because as you grow up your faith is your parents faith it's not your faith you believe things because your parents believe it and there must come a point in your life when you make your faith your own your you have to make your faith your own uh, it is very vital and very important so uh, whatever is in your heart you open it up to god you open yourself up to god and you tell him that i want to genuinely be your child i am in a place where maybe i i took this step because of parental pressure or peer pressure or church pressure or whatever i don't know but when you come to a point where you have to make this decision of yours to follow jesus christ personal and real it is vital it is vital you do it and it is between it will be between you and god but you must do it you must come to that point and make a real commitment uh, to jesus knowing the bankruptcy of your life that there is no hope for you without christ and to make the choice now to receive him as your lord and to follow him faithfully i think it is vital to uh, come to that point so search your heart and if you are unsure i think you must meet some godly believers and talk talk through this talk through uh, this and open yourself and they will help you they will guide you and uh, you know uh, you can come through to a real living deep relationship with the lord jesus christ okay thank you so um, just to move on moving on maybe into your you know early um not team but a little further ahead so so i heard a rumor i don't know if it's true that you are a bit of a rebel absolutely uh, so uh, <laughs> i know there's other things among other things it will shock all of you that that he had a goatee uh back in the i don't know what the <laughs> 70s or 80s or <laughs> so uh, maybe you can just talk a little bit about what those years were like and and how you sort of handled some of those things which are obviously was a different time and uh, Uh, different place i grew up in chennai okay i grew up in chennai and uh, whenever i went to kerala uh, you know during the days when we used to visit kerala there was a very big uh, murder case in chennai uh, as a, a young chap who is called madras lamon uh, he killed us he, he's here in bangalore <laughs> he killed his uncle and auntie so whenever i went to mail pradesh to call madras le mon they had another chap who was called kitna daniel who was a nigerian who was part of this crime and i used to have a lot of curly hair i used to have black hairs okay <laughs> very curly hair and a lot of hair so when i used to walk the street of mail pradesh kitna daniel has come <laughs> so i was known as this uh, uh, you know troublesome fellows you know i was identified and i used to work with shots in manapra at that time 
എൻ്റെ മണി എന്താ ചെയ്യുന്നത് one of the rebels uh, uh, in the amongst the mailapra people and even chennai and uh, god brought me through and today i am serving the lord for my family and one of my brothers he passed away i don't know if he knows the lord but he made a commit a, a commitment to the lord but he was an alcoholic and he lost his way so i don't know where he really stands in his where he stood in his faith my other brother uh, uh, he used to preach he was one of the deacons in the church but his marriage life was a total mess and he lost his moral authority to teach in church and uh, i the rebel god chose me to be uh, serving him and it's an amazing privilege i i don't deserve it not worth of worthy of it uh, i will give god all the glory so was that rebellion you think uh, was it uh, you know what was sort of driving that was it some resentment was it uh, in hindsight do you have any insights into that uh, i would say the church i grew in did nobody bothered about you you were there in church nobody bothered to mentor you nobody bothered to teach you nobody bothered to guide you you know once i took i i am a like a not a professional artist but i i i do painting and drawing as a hobby so i drew the picture of ngr you know ngr <laughs> the film actor ngr and boy there was such a hue and cry in our church <laughs> drawn him that that I was a lost sinner you know <laughs> and uh, so there was nobody to actually mentor and guide and teach and you know they were out there to find for but they didn't channel my gift in ways that could be more I don't think it was wrong or anything I did but they could have channeled what I had and the gifts I had in ways that that were more better and meaningful and i missed that out. i do, i didn't have anybody like that uh, in my growing time maybe it's 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 a yeah. bit of that also yeah, praise god that he still uh, managed to get you out of all that absolutely and, and absolutely. so then you came to bombay right at some point to bombay can you yes. talk a little bit about that what brought you to bombay and sort of your uh, life there every manali comes to bombay correct <laughs> okay it's the first step to go to either the gulf or to the america is <laughs> the first step uh i came to bombay with this vision to go either to the gulf and then move somewhere as and when the opportunity came but in bombay i was with the fourth assembly and god turned me around there he he totally turned me around all my values were changed going abroad and you know all of that was was totally wiped out from my uh, from my mind and uh, the choices i wanted to make and i wanted to live for christ and i spent 3 years 
without any job, proper job, I worked in uh, GLS, you know GLS, Gospel Literature Service. They used to give us a salary of 300 rupees. I had to pay a rent for the house for 100 rupees. I had to pay for my travel expense 100 rupees. I lived on 100 rupees. I ate only bread and drank water for three years and sometimes only water and no bread. But those were the days I will never exchange for anything in my life. Because I lived in deep, intimate relationship with the Lord. And I served Him at every opportunity possible. You know, and God rewarded me with my 300 rupees job and with nothing to offer, uh, I met Margaret and she was willing to marry me. So we, we'll hold off on that. We'll come to that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. How, how old were you at that time when you were in Bombay? Uh, when I was in? Bombay. In Bombay, uh, I came when I was uh, about 24. Okay. And uh, So you, you mentioned the Fort Assembly and I know a little bit about Fort Assembly and one of the things there was that a lot of young people were mentored by other leaders. Can you just talk to us about how that happened? Was it a formal thing or people just came and reached out to no, you? No, it was not a formal thing. It was uh, the leaders leading and they took us along with them. And we learned as we went around. We went street preaching, we went fishing people, we, we got involved in so many activities. They gave me opportunities to share the gospel meeting in the beginning and then as I developed in the ministry. So they they en- encouraged him. Nobody still spent one-to-one time because most of the elders were my relatives. So <laughs> I don't know if that was the reason why they didn't spend one-to-one time with me. But they gave me all these opportunities and put me uh, into the ministry in some ways where I learned, I grew, I saw their lives. And uh, uh, it was uh, a, a time when I grew in the Lord. And I had a very good friend who is my co-brother now. His name is Raghu. He's from a Hindu background. And we used to spend time together in prayer, in studying God's word, in uh, helping other young people. So it was a combination of all these things that helped develop. What, what did you study in college and all that? I, I did uh, basic chemistry okay. uh, in college. So did you ever work uh, in that field? Not in that field. No. When I came to Bombay after GLS, after my marriage, I got a job with an advertising agency and I used to fo- work for an ad agency for a couple of years before we c- came out. So to tell service. us about uh, how you met Auntie Margaret and how you got married. And uh, just uh, give us a little brief of that story. I, Like I told you, I used, I used to be very active, not only in the Fort Assembly, in all assemblies in, uh, in Bombay. And so Thani uh, Assembly, Sharon Gospel Hall, they had a special meeting where George Dawson was preaching. And so I went to help with the singing and with the follow-up and uh, with the counseling after somebody responded to the gospel. So uh, uh, during that meeting, about 40 people came to know the Lord. So we were made into groups where we followed up these people. And uh, both Margaret and I were in the same group. <laughs> we were in the same group. And... Uh, uh, we saw each other and we saw the passion we had for the Lord and the ministry and uh, uh, and uh, uh, we thought it would be good if we could, if we could get married but 
at that time I was working in GLS, I had only 300 rupees. And, <laughs> and it was very difficult for Margaret's parents to accept me as their son-in-law. But they being godly people, they being godly people, prayed about it and said, if this is God's will and you guys have prayed about it, we will not be a hindrance. And they let us get married. And uh, 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 Margaret would always, they would ask her, how, how will you live? Uh, if you, you like to wear new saris every time. <laughs> uh, how will you get a sari? And for everything she said, you know, God will provide. God was faithful to Abraham. He called him. And so, uh, you know, she had a promise also from the Bible that for those who are faithful, God will give faithful Abrahams. But my name is Thomas, you see. <laughs> But a funny thing happened during the wedding. A funny thing happened. The wedding was in Bombay. So in Bombay, you should have your name, your surname. So I didn't have a surname because in Kerala, we don't have surnames. We have the house name, then the father's name, and then your name. So Thomas became my surname, and Abraham, which was my father's name, became my name. So that promise became true for marriage. <laughs> so uh, so you're, you're Malayali, like you said. And Auntie Margaret is, I think, Tamilian. Tamilian, right? yes. Of Tamilian descent. So did you have any challenges with that, with the Mylopra crowd and the... the actually... Back no, in those days, I know it was a big thing. Actually, nobody came from my wedding from <laughs> Nobody. I didn't have money to print invitation cards, you see. <laughs> so so I escaped all that problem. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, just moving ahead... Um, so you got married, um, and uh, tell us a little bit about uh, about your call into the the ministry, full time ministry. Uh, <clears throat> we were very actively involved with the Sharon Gospel Hall, uh, Thane, from where Sam Stephen c- comes from. We were very actively involved in the assembly there, and very happy and. Uh, uh, we used to have friends come from Dehradun, Margaret's family friends, uh, who used to be missionaries in North India, here in Dehradun. And so, they used to come for holidays to our home and stay with us. And they used to tell us stories about mission field, exciting stories about mission field. And uh, we used to hear and we used to be excited. And, you know, after many months, uh, you know, one day, Margaret and I, as we went to bed, it's almost simultaneously we said, you know, it would be good if we could go to North India and serve the Lord. Uh, As soon as we said that, we said, you know, it should not be an emotional decision. If you make a decision in your emotions, uh, you know, then when you go to the field and you face difficulties and the emotion goes off, you'll think I made a mistake. So we decided we will pray. So for three months we prayed and there was no clear direction from the Lord. And we got a bit frustrated. And so both of us decided to fast and pray and uh, I asked the Lord for a sign. I said, Lord, give me a sign that will clearly tell me that I need to go to ministry. And Margaret was doing that uh, from her side. So, after my time of prayer, and I asked God for a sign, we had that following Sunday, Brother Robbery, do you know Brother Robbery? Robbery, yeah. Uh, 
He was serving Jabalpur. Jabalpur. He was serving the Lord in Jabalpur, and he came to our assembly, and he was one of the missionaries who were asked by the government of India to leave India. It was a time when the government asked many missionaries from the West to leave India. So he came to our church, and he took that verse: "The harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few," and he spoke on it. Now, that is not. something new to me i have heard all this i have grown up in an assembly so i said lord give me something something concrete and so at the end of his sermon this brother said the missionaries are leaving and we want indian people to take the place of these missionaries who are leaving so it was as if god directly spoke to me and said you are one of the person i want to go to north india but like gideon i said lord one more sign <laughs> and i put the fleece out and god graciously answered and we had brother bill thompson we used to work with gls earlier he came to our church and he was also leaving and he spoke the exact same message challenging somebody from the assembly to go the third message sir the third week i asked for one more sign and the third week it was one of our elders uh, he is known to take some portion and pick something else this is <laughs> he is known for that so i don't know which words he took but he ended up saying somebody my church should go out for missions <laughs> so three consecutive weeks god speaking directly to me saying you have to go to the ministry so i come back home and i told margaret this is what happened i am convinced now god is speaking to margaret also through all this but for me i can pack up and go anywhere you know you tell me today to move somewhere i don't mind take packing up and going for but margaret she grew up all her life in bombay and she has come to dehradun and dehradun in mussoorie especially it becomes dark at 4 o'clock in the evening dark it's dark you can't do anything it's cold depressing absolutely depressing so uh, it's not a place that you would, a bombay person would like to go and live you know uh, so and there are mountains and she went through a very difficult time she, in fact she used to have nightmares uh, by then we had our first daughter shifra and she would have these nightmares in the night one cliff here another cliff here and there's a plank between these two cliffs and i crossed over and uh, she is holding shifra and she is trying to cross over and she comes halfway and she wakes up in a sweat uh, you know uh, and she was absolutely terrified and didn't know what to do but she wanted clarity from god's and so one sunday she didn't go to the meeting in the evening she stayed back home and said lord i want to decide on this i want you to give me a clear direction so she sat down she didn't know what to pray what to read so she just put her hand beside her there was a daily reading she picked it up it is uh, by spurgeon uh, a daily reading by spurgeon uh, she took that up and she turned the page for that particular day it was isaiah 42 16 i will lead the blind in ways they know not i'll make crooked paths straight and I, I will lead you. I will I'll lead you, and I'll take care of you. And explanations of that day, of that verse, answered every question she had. All 
questions answered in that daily reading she took up and read. So when she did that, she knelt down, she gave herself to the Lord, said, I'm afraid, Lord, but since you have told me to go, and you have given me the sign, I will go. And she knelt down and gave herself to the Lord. When I came back, we were happy. But the icing on the cake was, the next day, the following day, we get a letter. Now that letter was in post, without, before Margaret has made this decision, it was on, on the way. And it is written by the sister who was in, encouraging us to come to the north. And she, in a letter, in the letter, she says, I have been praying for you. This is the verse that God gave me, Isaiah 42, 16. Can you believe that? Do you think it's coincidence? Absolutely not. God's leading. So, and so, we tell the church, they prayed for us and they sent us and that's how we came uh, to Dehradun in 1986. 1986, okay. So, uh, so give us a little bit of a synopsis of those years from 86 to now. You know, how your ministry has progressed and what do you do today? Uh, for six years, we worked under, some, under that couple that we, we, who were encouraged us to come to North India. And then after six years, we moved out and began on our own. And uh, so we started off with about six people. And over these years, we have seen God bless brilliant souls. We had some commitments when we went to serve the Lord in North India. Uh, one is we would not speak our language and we will speak Hindi. Uh, and we will connect with more North Indians rather than South Indians. One of the unfortunate things many North, uh, missionaries from South have done is go to a Northern place and try to find some South Indians. And then, you know, everything gets bogged down there. So that was one commitment we did. So over the years we have seen many, many, many people come to know, know the Lord Jesus Christ. There's, at one point of time we had 40 young people from Hindu backgrounds who have come to know the Lord. Each by one coming to the Lord, then they going and telling somebody. Then they bringing two more. Then the two more bringing four more. And it just multiplied that way. So we have different seasons. So we have a season where we had all these 40 young people. Today, it's another kind of season you know, with uh, uh, different kind of young people, uh, different profiles. But over the years, God has always brought in new people and uh, blessed the ministry. And somewhere along the line, we saw that we have also a social responsibility along with preaching the gospel. And so, uh, we uh, we we moved into areas of uh, 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 where we could impact people in, in, in other ways. So we started a school. Three, we have four schools now for underprivileged children and special needs children. Two in Dehradun, one in uh, uh, Haryana and one in a place called Chakrata. Uh, Chakrata is a tribal area, very peculiar tribe where they practice uh, something called polyandry which is the opposite of polygamy. So there is one wife and many husbands and uh, animus, spirit worshippers, a lot of evil spirit activities amongst those tribal and so uh, God has uh, led us to that pe place and God is working in that area. We have started one assembly up in the mountains and uh, we have a drug and alcohol rehab center 
we have community health and development programs and so we have diversified in various areas today there is an anti-conversion bill a draconian anti-conversion bill and so it is with this base that we are sharing the gospel one to one with people and uh, God is bringing souls uh, there are challenges but people are coming not in big crowds but people are coming constantly coming yeah and I've had the privilege of visiting you and seeing some of these things the drug and rehab yeah. center and other school and all that so I would encourage anybody here who wants to get some good experience uh, young people you know especially if you're on college age to go and actually spend some time with them uh, it's really good training and uh, good exposure to the uh, to the mission field uh, so you know we hear a lot of stories you know we have our own missionaries like uh, brother Rebbe and Asha and all that and we hear all these wonderful stories about how God worked in miraculous ways I'm sure you've got in these 30 some years many many can you just maybe pick two or three or maybe a couple of ones that you think just for us to get sort of understand how God works and you know strengthen our faith as well okay I'll tell you one exceptional story uh, this was uh, I told you the Jansar Babar area where the tribals are uh, this man Rajender he comes from a temple town it's a place called Hanaul and there's a temple there and everybody in the village is connected to the temple they do something in the temple so this guy was a drummer drummer his wife got paralyzed and totally bedridden and one evangelist goes to that place and shares the gospel with him and he prays for his wife and his wife is healed not completely but enough for her to get up from her bed a woman who was totally bedridden get up from her bed and take care of herself her uh, right hand was uh, paralyzed her left side legs all, all still not active and that man gave his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and said I will follow this God and uh, immediately he stopped going to the temple so the temple people threw him out of the village so he, uh, he, he they cannot throw him out of that area because tribals are given land by the government and they have the right to stay there so they started harassing him because he became a Christian they wanted him to leave the village and go but he stuck on so what they did was uh, destroyed his BPL card you know a BPL card destroyed it it destroyed his ration card so he couldn't get any provisions uh, subsidized provisions the village they wouldn't give, give him any provisions he couldn't even buy if he had money and they didn't give him a job all his jobs uh, they stopped so he used to go around the way if there is a road construction done he used to go and do labor's work he can't, can't go far away from home because his wife is not very well so he used to come and he used to live and these people got very frustrated with him that he was not leaving so what they did was they cut off his water supply they cut off his water supply now he was living with this labor work he did and growing some produce uh, you know Benjol he could grow with little water but that didn't bring much money tomatoes were the things that he could get enough money that's a cash crop so for that he needed water and these people cut off his water supply and so 
he could have complained he could have gone to authorities but nobody would have listened but he could have done that but he said no i will not fight i will trust god he says i will trust god and so one fine day as he was walking up on his land a spring sprang up from his land a spring sprang up from his land now nobody can cut off that water source because it is from the ground and it is in his land is at that point of time we had reached at his village and uh, so we saw the miracle and then we helped him make a tank to at the source and it's a mountainous area so put a pipe and make a bigger tank at the bottom where he could uh, fill in the water and uh, he could cultivate and uh, tomatoes are growing and uh, he has got a small fellowship of eight believers worshiping the lord in his house this is how god works amazingly uh, to uh, uh, you know uh, to tell people that he is living and in that temple town uh, his little house is now a light that is shining a light on a mountain which cannot be hidden and we are praying that god will continue to work and uh, there is tremendous persecution there is absolutely tremendous persecution they beat up they will do anything they will kill they will do anything uh, up to now god has protected him uh, and people uh, so Uh, please pray for this person he's called rajender and uh, the small fellowship that gathers in his house uh, so is that kind of stories that uh, so can you, can you share something uh, you know personal like where god met a need of of you and your family um, if if you if you there want to there are so many things we can tell every every step of our life has been a miracle every step of our lives has has been a miracle. we left Uh, in faith uh, not knowing uh, and we went through tremendous struggles sometimes uh, one of the biggest struggle in mission field is, is loneliness you don't have anybody your level to share or to talk or, or even you made a mistake somebody to tell you you made a mistake you know so people are all receiving from you constantly and there are attacks from the enemy uh, we used to Uh, when we began we wished to meet in a very old couple's house they didn't have any children he was 95 and she was about 85 and we started gathering in that home we were six people and uh, it grew and the house became full and uh, since they didn't have children when he was 97 this old gentleman died he died and uh, immediately there was problems because the w- widow Uh, she was alone but the church took care of her and i was involved in taking care of all all their needs but one fine day one of our elders you know comes into this situation and tells the old lady nobody will take care of you i will only and take care of you and he pushed himself into the house and in one month's time he got the house written will written in his name and the next month he got it registered in his name and then all the relatives descended there was chaos and uh, we had to move away from there and we told this brother that until these problems are settled you know you could not uh, speak at church 
and uh, you should uh, you should keep yourself away until these problems are solved it's not a good testimony he left the church uh, and another person along with him wanted wanted to divide our church it it was a very difficult time for us and a difficult challenge uh, because we had a lot of young people by then who had come to know the lord from first generation young people and how to explain this fight to them how to explain how how do we deal with this to them but god in his wisdom uh, helped us and we got everybody together and we presented to this them the situation we told what steps we had taken as a church what the response was and that is why they left and god's spirit helped them to understand and none none of our believers left and uh, we had to know we started gathering in a hotel room and uh, now we have of course a place not our own but belonging to bethany trust but uh, we have the freedom to gather together so challenges like that where enemy attack tremendous enemy attacks uh, come in when god is blessing the ministry how to handle them how, how to explain things how to keep the flock together now these are all tremendous challenges that uh, over the years god has given us the grace to face and help and, and move forward well thank you for sharing that uh, i think that's um, definitely uh, very um, encouraging to all of us and just to get a glimpse into into your life um so we'll just move on into the the some questions around the topic uh that we are studying here about abiding in Christ um there there are a lot of questions coming in on the on the uh, the online poll uh, i'll get to those in a second but just to start off uh, you know we've been talking about abiding in Christ and all of these things um you know one of the things that, that a lot of people wonder is as we look at the life of those who are believers or claim to be believers especially young people well not just young but you know uh, even other 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 than young uh, you see so much sin um, you know in the life of believers right this this the struggle with sin continues on um, so what what would you say are the some ways in which why does that happen and why, how can they break the shackles of sin uh, in their life and what is holding them back from having that freedom that we talked about uh, this evening uh struggling with sin in itself is not a sin all right that's what you have to understand if you have understood that it is an issue and if you recognize it as not right that means the holy spirit is in you because it is the holy spirit who is helping you who is keeping your conscience alive to make you recognize that what i am doing is not right the bigger problem would be if you are not realizing you are not wrong that would be a bigger problem but if you are recognizing your problem that means it's a positive sign that the holy spirit is connecting you bringing to your mind uh, things that are not right okay so that is step number 1 all right okay then there are god has given us principles guidelines god has given us principles and guidelines in scriptures which if you follow with his grace and help you can win this battle you can win the battle with help from god but there needs to be a commitment from you to live 
a life that will honor God. Like we said today, the mind on the flesh will produce fruits that is death. The mind that is on the spirit is the one that produces good fruits. So you have to put your mind in the spirit and you should put the mind in the desires that the spirit is opening up in your life. But if you choose to put your mind on base fleshly desires, you will lose the battle. Okay? So Paul and uh, Romans chapter 6 today morning we turn to Romans chapter 6 but come to Romans chapter 6 there's something uh, Paul gives us a secret now the foundation of what I'm saying is your faith in Jesus Christ and Christ forgiving your sins and accepting you as his child okay that is the foundation on that you have to build on. You have to build on that. Okay? So, chapter 6, uh, verses 12 to 14 is what I'm going to read and I'll try to explain some things to you. Okay? So, in the same way, count yourself... Uh, sorry, verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey the evil desires. Do not offer any parts of your body to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to Him as an instrument of righteousness. Okay? So here is the picture. You are in Christ, right? Okay? You have allowed Jesus to be the King of your heart. Right? So his role is in your heart. Accepted that? His role is represented by a throne. Alright? So he reigns in your heart. He is sitting on the throne and reigning. If you have accepted him as your Lord and Savior. Okay, you got that picture? Got that picture? Alright. So your body is the fort. Okay, the king is inside here. Your body is the fort. Alright? Now there is an enemy who wants to come in and sit on this throne and reign in the place of Jesus. Who is that enemy? No, no, no. Look at that verse and tell me. Look at that verse and tell me. Therefore, do not let what? Sin reign. So who wants to reign? Sin. Okay, so Jesus is reigning because you have accepted him in your life. But sin wants to come in and sit on the throne and reign. Okay, you got this much? Alright, there are secret agents in the castle. What are they? Your desires. What are they? What are they? Hello? Your desires. They are secret agents. And when the enemy comes in and to take that place to reign in your life, who do you think he will first take under his control? The desires. Okay? If Jesus is ruling in your heart, what kind of desires will you have? Godly desires. Good desires. 
But the moment sin takes control of your desire, what happens to your desire? It is corrupted. Are desires good or bad in themselves? Tell me, are they good or bad? They're good, they're not bad. Desire for... If you're thirsty, you desire to drink water. Is that, is that bad? No. Uh, God has given us the sexual desires. We were t- talking in the men's group about sexual desires. Is that bad? No. It's not bad. We need food. Uh, when we are hungry, we need food. Is that bad? No. But if that desire is corrupted, what happens? What happens? You start overeating or undereating anorexia. You want to be slim or you, you don't want to eat. You have the opposite ones also. Or you become a glutton. That is a sin taking over a desire and doing what? Corrupting it. Your sexual desire is God given. And that desire is to be enjoyed in the covenant of marriage. Enjoy to the full, God says. But there is this area where he has allowed you to enjoy it and when it is right. But when you go out of it and to enjoy sexual pleasure illegitimately, what has happened to your desire? It's been corrupted by sin. So what should be not allowed to be corrupted? Your desires. Don't let your desires be corrupted. And the way you can do it is letting Jesus continue to be ruling in your hearts. Okay, if the desires are corrupted, it takes something. If you read the portion, tell me what does it take, desires take, and use uh, uh, to do the wrong things? Don't offer any part of your body. So, if your sexual desire is corrupted, what will that desire make your eyes to do? Pornography, lust after woman, it will make your eyes to do that. It will take your hands to use it unrighteously. You got the point? It will take your leg to move to places where you can enjoy things illegitimately. Your body, the desires takes your body parts and uses it to do the wrong things. So, even if your desire is corrupted, what should you not do? Allow those corrupted desires to Make your body do things. So that there are at various levels, there are things we can do to stop doing the wrong things. And God is available. But the problem is, when we sin, we put God away from us. We can't sin otherwise. If God is present and you know God is with you and present in you and you are experiencing that presence, you will cannot sin. 
So you put God away. That's the problem. You put God away. You put God's word away. You put God's will away. You put God's character away. And then you do the things that you are doing. So at various levels, God is there to help us to overcome. You know, to overcome. You say that is not possible, you look at the life of Joseph. He is lonely, okay? He is lonely. He is in a far off place. Nobody to sort of spy on him or, or you know, tell him, no, don't do this, don't go there, don't go here. No, nobody there with him. And loneliness and uh, boredom are one of the things that make your mind wander and do things that are not right. You know, when David sinned with Bathsheba, God came to him. I don't know if you remember this. God told him, if it was more you wanted, I would have given you. What is, that? What is God telling? That I would have given you more girls. You know what God is telling? No. What God is telling, I would have given you a new challenge. I would have given you a new challenge. You felt so many words you bored up with that. I would have given you a new challenge that kept your mind in things that you have to do. But he doesn't do it. But Josh, Joseph does it. And he didn't have the Ten Commandments. Did he have the Ten Commandments, Joseph? Adultery sin, did he know from the law? Did he know from the law? No. It was God's Spirit revealing to him. He was living, abiding in the presence of God. Those revelations came from God to him. That adultery, marry, having a relationship with a married woman is wrong. So, I hope I have helped you with these comments. Uh, in your journey to overcome sin and live a godly life. Okay, thank you very much. We are going to... Uh, one second. We're going to go to the questions from the, uh, from the audience here. So I'll just start off with the one that seems to be the most popular. Uh, it says, I somehow forget what I read from the Bible through the rest of the day and forget to apply it unconsciously. How do I constantly uh, remind myself of what I have read? Any practical steps uh, that you have to offer? See, what you can do is, you can write it in a paper and keep it in your car as you are driving in a place where it is visible to you. So you will read them. If it's in your office, put it on your board. Uh, you know, where you are reading them. Uh, if it's if it's a one verse, you can try to memorize it. Uh, and so it's uh, going on in your mind as you do different things. Uh, or you can put in your mobile an alarm that tells you, okay, uh, why don't you look up what you saw the read this morning? And then maybe you consciously uh, read that portion again. Uh, you can do a lot of things. I mean, be creative. And... Uh, uh, in what you can do. Now these are advices that I am giving you from my kind of thinking, but with your kind of thinking, you, come, you can come up with innovative ideas where you can take steps where you can be reminded about what you have read 
uh, in the morning. Okay. How can I make sure that by Bible reading, studying, memorizing, etc., I am truly knowing the truth and not just gaining head knowledge? One of the ways you will know it is that you, the Bible reading that you are doing is beginning to change your life. There are changes in your life, there are changes in your ways of thinking, there are changes that's happening in your, uh, you know, uh, uh, your uh, behavior. You, you begin to see God's working in, in your life in different ways. That's one of the ways you know that what you're reading is really working in you. Uh, but the other one is, uh, of course, the assurance that the Holy Spirit brings to you where he witnesses to your spirit that uh, you are indeed God's child. God's child. But I think one thing that you must be consciously looking on is, is my life changing? Even in small ways, are they changing? Uh, that will give you a lot of uh, uh, assurance. Uh, uh, and of course, meeting up with godly people. Again, that is very important to have a mentor to whom you can go and bounce off these things with them and spend time in prayer with them. It's very vital if you have a mentor, somebody you trust and with whom you can uh, go and talk and spend time in prayer. That will also be a very helpful thing. Yeah. And I think probably the key is also application, right? Making sure that you're not just uh, studying for the sake of studying but actually applying what you're studying. It's Absolutely. one of the things that you said about Absolutely. abiding today. Alright, so um, here's another question. Because I have heard the word from such a young age, many things have become very repetitive. The sacrifice of God doesn't get me emotional or make me feel anything. Why? Why is that the case? And how do I feel and understand the greatness of God? There is this beautiful verse that says the love of God is poured into our hearts through whom? Through whom? Through the Holy Spirit. Okay? So the cross is a historical event. Okay? The cross is a historical. What Christ did was a historical event. But that historical event is taken by the Holy Spirit and poured out into our lives and experientially I know what happened on the cross was for me. So there is this work of the Holy Spirit that is vital, number one. Uh, keep that in mind. So invite the Holy Spirit and ask Him to deeply bring into your hearts the event of Christ and make it a deep meaningful reality in your soul. But the second thing I want to tell you is not always your emotions can be trusted. Okay? You have to believe in the fact when you believe in the fact that Christ died for you when you deeply believe it whether you have emotions or not emotions and don't have emotions that's a reality in your life. The effect of that will deeply work in your life and 
you are saved you are eternally gods okay so don't always go on emotional things because then you can drift away in the wrong direction so so when people have been with this for a long long time they get a little jaded right they uh, they, they get jaded they don't uh, it's been again and again and again is there something that that you would suggest for especially young people to get that spark going again you know get out of that sort of rut that they are in it is so with everything if you look at the history of the church uh, there were many moments that started off beautifully but then they fizzled out into nominalism you know so all kinds of churches, the Lutheran church the Methodist church you can take any kind of any church began so amazingly and then slowly it becomes very nominal this is a principle of life so there has to be constantly moments when you there should be revival happening every now and then there should be a revival happening so in periods of your time you should take a time out and to evaluate where you have come from and where you are going you have to evaluate you have to take stock of what is the situation of your spiritual life and if you, in the presence of the lord you are doing that and you need to take time out not not quite time alone you have to take a couple of days out from your business from all what you are doing and spend time with the lord and his word and just in silence listening to him no mobiles no nothing and you evaluate in god's presence where you are you know what's happened in your life this time now where do you want to go what what which direction which point you want to be 5 years from now you make in the presence of the lord a conscious decision speaking to him talking to him asking him to speak to you through the word spending time in prayer and bringing a personal revival bringing about a personal revival in your life and that will be very helpful okay so moving on along those lines uh, here's another question uh, similar lines what do i do if i don't understand anything when i read the bible for example the prophetic books uh, even after praying and asking god to reveal and convict me well if you don't understand it yourself i think you can go to a person who can teach you who can teach you and explain to you uh, spend some time personally in bible study with somebody uh, uh, who can help you to learn and understand truths can we turn the and put out these lights thank you, thank you. Uh, uh, you can go to somebody who, who who knows and you can learn from him that person and uh, uh, and grow that way okay very good now here's another one you mentioned that the bare minimum of abiding in christ is salvation is that accurately represent what you said yes yes okay yes. Uh, so the question is does that mean that i can be a believer and not abide abide in christ mm-hmm. and is this something abiding is that something that defines the super believers no 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 not at all i'm telling the bare minimum 
of abiding is salvation. So, uh, there is no question of that. Yeah, right. The is salvation. So, without salvation, you are not connected. So, uh, abiding is not for super spiritual people, please. Abiding for is for everybody. There are no super spiritual believers, please. That's another wrong idea we have. There are no super spiritual believers. We are all saved by grace. And we live by grace. And if there is any glory that God, that can come from our life or what we what people see from our life, it all has to go to God. It is Him. I am what I am because of what God has done in my life. So there is no super spiritual believers. <laughs> you know, what does he say in James? Uh, Elijah was a man just like, of just us. like us. With all our failures and sin, just like me. But he prayed, God answered. So you can pray and God can answer. There is no super spiritual believers in the Bible. So would you say that... uh, Time, I think. Huh? Time. No, we have till 7.30, don't we? Check your app, buddy. (laughs) Huh? Yeah, 7.30. So what is the sign you showed me? I can't see. (laughs) Okay. It's too small, I'm old. (laughs) Don't worry, I'll end before 7.30, okay? I got a clock here in front of me. Alright, so would you say that abiding... That there are, I don't know if it's the right way to put it, but I'd like to get your thoughts. That there are different degrees of abiding. So you talked about, you know, abiding um, is is knowing the truth, it's hearing the word of God, it's believing the word of God, it's keeping or obeying the word of God. So the reason why we see different fruit yeah. is different degrees of yeah. those things in the life. Yeah, right? Absolutely. Okay. I think the more deeper you are abiding with the Lord, the more uh, greater your fruits will be. So, if you if you are not if you are not keeping God's word, if you are not doing what God wants you to do, if you are neglecting things, then naturally the fruit bearing also will be uh, decreased. So there are levels of, uh, but God, what God expects of you and us is that we will be hundred percent uh, fruit bearing believers. Uh, so. There are levels, definitely there are levels. So, uh, I think the question to, the answer to this is obvious, but maybe people are looking, obviously it's a matter of doubt. So, if you can address this, if we abide in Christ, but sometimes fall to sins, do we lose our salvation? No, no. No. Uh, I mean, in the context we have to understand that Jesus is dealing with his disciples who are abiding okay who are abiding those who are defected finished off with chapter 13 and verse 30 with uh, Judas leaving so there is no loss of salvation okay there is no loss of there can be loss of rewards there can be loss of rewards uh, but loss of salvation no I think sometimes we get caught up in in those sort of theological debates and miss the real point, right? Yeah. So the point of John 15 is about fruit bearing. And uh, people get caught up in the branches being thrown away and I, I don't think that's the real thrust of what the Lord was trying to... He was trying to get his believers who were abiding to produce more fruit and, and likewise with us. 
so so we sort of missed the the the, yeah. the key uh, you know the key uh, matter there um me see what else i want to address okay here we go being forced into the faith of my parents being forced into the faith of my parents and later having been forced to always ask for forgiveness when i did something wrong so I, i'm 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 just trying to summarize what there is somebody here who okay you know maybe didn't have the genuine faith and got the pressure and became and then every time he or she would sin they told uh, okay you are you know you're a believer you're saved you know you need to ask forgiveness and confess and uh, and and so on so being forced to have always ask for forgiveness when i did something wrong i now have no desire to have anything to do with the faith so what there's no question as such that it's a statement but what would be your uh, response to that if somebody is in that state my my response would be uh two mistakes don't make a right your parents have made a mistake but you <laughs> making another mistake will not make it right so what i would suggest to you is uh come into a deep intimate relationship personal intimate relationship with jesus christ and god will help you uh, once you come into that relationship god will help you to overcome uh, your problem without god you can't overcome leaving god and going is not the answer because if you leave and go then who are you going to uh, depend on to live a good life is there any possibility to live without god no so don't commit a second mistake i think make the a, a point to genuinely come to the lord so i think you need help whoever this person is need help of somebody mature with whom he can talk this thing through and uh, they can help him in that process to come to make a genuine commitment to the lord yeah so you would say i mean more than likely that person whoever it is probably didn't have the genuine experience of salvation and needs to go back and look at that aspect absolutely. right absolutely uh, rather than rejecting the faith absolutely. i mean that's a choice they have yeah but uh, but that's what they need to deal with right and but that will not help them help them anyway yeah <laughs> you know it will not help them anyway yeah. all right uh we address that one when trying to spend time in god's word and meditate on it uh, throughout the day i find myself uh getting legalistic which makes me either discouraged or proud depending on how it's going any solutions yeah this is the biggest problem uh <laughs> this is the biggest problem what we have to understand as a christian is whatever we are is by the grace of god okay we are saved by the grace of god we are what we are by the grace of god and if we have this inclination to read god's scripture and god reveals things to us it's again god's grace it's not something you have accomplished in your strength so you can never be proud about it the moment you become proud uh, you are moving away from depending on god and acknowledging that god is the source of what i am and what i have and that is a danger that is a ter- terrible danger and you don't need to be discouraged on the other side uh, because again 
God is your portion. And God will never leave you and forsake you. No matter your, what your failures are. He will not forsake you. He loves you. He cares for you. So going to two extremes is going to two different sides. On one side, you are depending on yourself and you become proud. On the other side, you think you are a failure, but you are not a failure. Ultimately, the good thing that God has begun in you, He will complete it in His day. One day, Jesus Christ is going to take you and present you in the presence of the Father as as what? Perfect. So that is what you should hope in. That is our hope. So I don't need to get discouraged because God is doing a work in me. Even without me knowing maybe sometimes. He is working in me. And ultimately he has promised to present me before the Father perfect. So I don't think you should go both ways. So just switch gears a little bit. So in your ministry obviously you deal with people from all kinds of different backgrounds and communities and beliefs and so here's a question around uh, the LGBT community okay uh, so how can a Christian show love to members of the LGBT community without pushing them away completely how would you share the gospel to such a person I think before we share the gospel we build a relationship with the person unfortunately a lot of time we are pushing the gospel at people without this relationship once you build a relationship then there is ground for you to say things that will not offend people but because there is no relationship and you are trying to push the gospel they are offended but if you build a relationship and tell the person I love you God loves you and then present the gospel with them to them on the, on, on, on the basis of that relationship they will listen another thing we should understand another thing we should understand is yeah, we should not push them into a heterosexual relationship because they are going through a process in their mind uh, that has been damaged from when they are childhood it's something that has happened in them that has damaged them as a person you know, I've been talking to people who have come through uh, this situation. And they say one of the things uh, is people have teased them from child. You're like a girl. So they've grown up with this idea they're like girls. So to feel uh, masculine, they connect with a male. They have this relationship with a male. They feel... I can feel more masculine this way because all the life people have teased them about, uh, about this and it's damaged their understanding and uh, their thinking. And one of the biggest, one of the biggest, pers- uh, biggest person to influence uh, uh, this childhood growing time is the father. Please remember this. You are to affirm to the children their sexuality. We have to affirm their sexuality. We shouldn't be teasing them. Things like that. But that's what damages them. So there are a whole, there are a whole lot of issues that damage people and bring them to that kind of a situation. So the immediate thing for us is not to tell that... But we have to tell that they cannot continue this kind of lifestyle because that is not acceptable by God. Say that lovingly. Say that... Telling them we care for you. 
build relationship and on that basis of that relationship you have to share with them and I have even had people to whom we had to tell okay be celibate don't think of a relationship be celibate don't think on those terms don't put your mind on those terms keep yourself away from uh, sexual things by that way you can be pure uh, even though you cannot connect with an opposite sex so those are things we have to understand it's a, it's a subject we have to understand and uh, we have to work and we have to uh, deal with people it's it's not a subject where we condemn people and judge people and throw them out so um, where, where do we on that point right on building relationships uh, as Christians where do we sort of draw a line so for example somebody asked me this the other day uh, if if we are building a relationship with a with a homosexual person and they invite you to their wedding okay they, they decide to get married in some place where that's allowed and they invite you to wedding is it okay for us to go and be a part of that no we can tell them boundaries where that's the whole point of friendship no we can tell them you know there are boundaries in our relationship if you're going to get married to we cannot be part of that because it is against what we believe but we don't condemn you that's a choice you are making like everybody makes all kinds of choices you are making a, a choice we can only tell you the consequence of that choice and uh, tell you it's not the right choice you are making but we cannot be part of that we can we can lovingly uh, tell them about it good okay uh, coming back to uh, we have a couple of questions here about uh, depression and anxiety so uh, this one says why does depression and anxiety have to be looked at as a symptom of not having god in you why can why can it not just be treated like any other uh, illness and uh, just hold that for a second and i thought there was one more question here um, about that uh, about a person who yeah go ahead, go ahead and answer that did anybody tell you who are is that did anybody tell you that your depression is because god is not with you obviously somebody has told them that <laughs> well, it's it's yeah. false it's not true it's absolutely not false uh, not true it is false it's a lie don't believe them period don't believe this it's nonsense so it's how do you deal with anxiety it's an, it's an illness and uh, there are two aspects to uh, working in one is the medical aspect which we should not neglect and the other is the fellowship aspect whereas the community of God's people we surround people who are going through this kind of thing and help them to come out of it the church has to be active here in fact back in Dehradun we have started a, a program with this uh, and we are helping churches to understand how to help people suffering from depression and mental health issues Uh, we want to get the church involved and you know we i go to extremes we go either we go only medication mm-hmm. and what medication does is dope people they dope you up and it's not a healing process uh, it is just doping you 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 are sleepy all the time so there is a balance of medication and a balance of community support 
godly people coming around and helping people uh, through their uh, difficult time. But to think that it is yeah. God who uh, abandoned you, no, that's not true. That is absolutely not true. Elijah went through depression? Yeah. Yes or no? Elijah went through depression. Did God, did God abandon him? No. He surrounded him. He needed rest. God gave him sleep. Correct? He did nourishment. God gave him food. Right? God gave him rest. God gave him all that. He did. And then he told him to move forward and choose another person. Elisha was chosen. Hello? So God doesn't... Uh, it's not some curse from God that you are going through depression or anything like that. No. Yeah. I just want to come back to that uh, homosexuality question. Yeah. Sort of another, uh, you know, another twist on that. So, so there are people who, who say or who feel and probably I would say if they feel it's probably genuine that they have that attraction to people of the same sex, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even though they may know that it's wrong and they may never act on it, they may, they may stay celibate or whatever, mm-hmm. as you said, uh, but, but they can't turn it off. It's sort of there. Um, if they if they want to deal with that, you know they don't want that because they know it's wrong. Do you have any suggestions for how they should handle that situation? Like I said, uh, they must come to this point where they say that I cannot have this kind of relationship, so I must not be thinking on those terms. And since they do not have feeling for the opposite sex, they will live. They will decide to live uh, without sex and live for the glory of God uh, you know in whatever yeah. place they are whatever they are doing I think that, that is definitely a possibility of course with the help of if the church comes around and helps them that will be a, a, a bonus um, so here's another question I feel like I've gone very far away from God am I gone forever isn't there a verse that says that people who have tasted God and then turned away have no hope or something? That's the verse from Hebrews 6, I think. Um, what would you have to say to that? When we say we have gone far away, what, is it, what does it actually mean? What does it mean? Huh? Okay, we are taking a focus from God is okay, but going far away means what? Can we go far away? Can we go far away? (laughs) Physically we cannot go far away. Wherever we go, who is there? God is there. So, is there hope? Is there hope or because you have gone far away, there is no hope? Is there anybody who has gone so far away, there is no hope? Okay, take the example of Paul. Saul. He was was murdering. And he is about to killing all Christians. He was the person we would think is the furthest away from God. But did God take hold of him and bring him to himself? So I don't think there's any point of time you can lose hope with God. With man, maybe. Men may give up hope for, with you, but God will never give up hope on you. So don't give up. God doesn't give up on you. You don't give up on God. That is the point. You don't give up on God. You turn back, you confess your sin, you turn back and come to God, God will accept you and restore you. 
Okay, there are several questions around, uh, you know, uh, reading certain parts of the Word of God and not understanding and all that. I think you already addressed that, saying that go and, you know, get yeah. help from somebody, talk to others yeah. who can help you with that. So we're not going to uh, hit those questions. Uh, you know, if you have doubts and mm. things like that, I see a couple of questions around that, one around Leviticus and Numbers and certain books and so on. Um, Here's one that says, I often struggle with the sin of discontentment, wishing things were different or better, even though everything is great. Any thoughts on this? Again, your focus is on something else. Your focus is not on God. So bring back your focus to God and be satisfied in Christ, in who He is and what He means to you. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Okay? So, uh, if you are dissatisfied somewhere along in your heart, uh, your, your connection is uh, not with the Lord. So, coming back to God is the answer. Changing your circumstances is not the answer. Coming back to God is the answer. So, I would suggest you come back to God and God will satisfy you. God will satisfy you. Okay. Here's one that's a follow-up to... You, the thing about the marriage, you know, attending the, um, you know, the homosexual marriage. Uh, does that mean that we mustn't attend any wedding of even a male and female who are not believers? <laughs> you, you know, God is not against heterosexual relationship. You know, God I is think not. That's the key difference. Yeah, God is not against that male and female being united together. Uh, you know, why is God against uh, a homosexual relationship? Because it misrepresents God. We are misrepresenting God. Because a marriage is uh, a greater a mystery that reflects what mystery? The relationship between Jesus and the church. Okay? So, uh, a, a, a same-sex marriage is misrepresenting, is distorting what God has established. And that's why uh, God doesn't approve of it. Uh, and that would be the difference, uh, I would say. Yeah, I agree. Um, so here's one, I, I'm sure you have never thought about this, or maybe you have. It says, have you ever thought, what if all of this wasn't true? Uh, so obviously somebody is thinking that what would you say to such a person? Well, there are many people who have thought all this is not true. That's why there is atheism today. Yep. <laughs> so it's not something that has come newly. There are many people. And if you look at the atheists' lives, many of these famous atheists, towards the end of their life, they have died miserable deaths. Absolutely miserable deaths. Because there is no hope. There is nothing to look forward to. If you have lived all these life and there is no meaning and purpose to your life, then what hope do you have? Your life is absolutely meaningless. So I think there, if you are a genuine thinker, I mean without God, without meaning, without purpose, my life is just empty. So to think that everything is a lie is in itself a lie <laughs> that we want to believe. Uh, 
to escape maybe consequences of uh, the things that we are doing that are not right. You see, we don't want to be under a moral authority. We want to be free. We want to do what we want, the way we want. That is the why we, a lot of people don't want to accept that there is somebody, a moral uh, God, who will take accountability of your life and my life and your actions and my actions. I think it's to neg- negate that we try to think this way. Okay, here's a little bit of an offbeat question. Is yoga wrong for a believer? I had a friend who suggested to me, you have to do that asana and you should say Om, you should say, no? He said, don't say Om, say Om. <laughs> I don't know if that's an answer. <laughs> that's an answer. <laughs> uh, it's basically exercises, breathing exercises and other things. So, uh, you don't call it yoga, you do those exercises <laughs> here at home, uh, you know. Yeah. So here's another one, uh, maybe we'll uh, close with this. What should I do when I feel like no matter what I do to get closer to God, I am not getting as close and intimate as I want to be? And what is the reason for this? Is it just your feeling or, I don't know, if it's just your feeling or it's a real uh, thing, again, I don't know if it's if you are spending time with the Lord and if you are spending time with the Word of God, uh, you will be intimate with Him, uh, even though sometimes you don't feel it. Don't, like I told you, don't go by feeling always. Uh, be persistent and be consistent and, you know, God will work in your life and you will begin to see signs of uh, uh, being drawn closer to God. So give it time. Don't think in five days I am reading, I did nothing has happened. Give it time. Give it an opportunity. Give God time to work in you. So be patient as you read God's word and spend time with Him. Okay, last question. By the way, there are a lot of questions that were not phrased very clearly, so I didn't, couldn't follow what the point was, so I, I've skipped those. But I think we've gotten to the bulk of the questions here. So the last one, uh, probably of interest to a lot of people here. Uh, the Bible says, get married if you are burning with passion. I want to get married. But but God hasn't brought anyone my way. The weight is sometimes overwhelming. How can we wait and not grow weary? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, right? I think trusting God and persevering and to know that ultimately God will give you the best. I was married when I was 29. We have a young girl in our church who is 35 and she uh, has been engaged to somebody. So I think God has a plan in delaying. God has a plan uh, with whatever is happening in your life. If you really believe you belong to the Lord, He has a plan and purpose in our life and he's working towards it. I know I can speak and it's, 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 I'm not in that situation. It's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy. Uh, I'm not just flippantly throwing these answers. Uh, I know the struggles uh, that you go through and 
I don't know it in, in the fullest form, but I can in some way understand that. I can only advise and guide you to trust the Lord. Tell me, is He a good God? Is He a good God? If He is a good God, He has good plans and good purposes for your life. Trust Him. Trust Him. I cannot tell anything more than this. I will be proceeding to this thing and I don't want to do that. Thank you. And we have to trust that He has a reason for delaying it, Absolutely. right? For making us Absolutely. wait. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you very much. I think uh, Thank you. you did an excellent job answering those questions. If you have additional questions or things that we couldn't get to, please uh, you know, go to our uncle at uh, dinner time or